0: standing here in your presence in a grace so relentless, I-
1: Your presence is so real that you're here for us no matter what's going on in our lives. Father, thank you for the peace that passes all understanding when we keep our eyes and our faith and our trust in you. And so, Father, thank you once again for the opportunity to gather together like this and to lift you up. Father, I pray that you'll be with Pastor Rich today as he speaks to us what you've laid on his heart. God, I thank you so much for the passion that you've given him. It's not something that he's teaching us, but it's something that he's living in his life right now, and I thank you so much for that. God, I thank you for every person here, those online, those around this building that are going to lift up the name of Jesus and point our eyes towards you, Lord. And I pray that when we leave this place today that we will know that we have had an encounter with you. We give you all the glory. We want you to be the famous one, Lord. And we thank you so much for who you are and what you've done in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Well, today is a big Super Bowl, right? How many Chiefs fans do we have? How many Redskins? (laughs) How many 49ers? Oh, wow. This is way... I can't even tell. But here's the deal. At Salem Fields, we've got Chiefs fans, 49ers fans, Redskins fans, Dallas fans. We all come together and we point our eyes to Jesus. And that makes us one, right? What was that all about? You had a on you. Oh, okay. Yeah, so bugs, they just debugged me. <laughs> all right, so if you are a guest with us, a first-time guest with us today, we're so thankful that you're here. And uh, we want you to stop at that little table as you walk out the door and get a, a little gift. It's not a big deal, but it's a sweet little deal that says to you, we're so thankful that you came to visit. Come back again. Check it out more than one time. I think it will be worth your while. This is where the Spirit of the Lord is, and we gather like this to lift him up. And uh, you can't ever beat that. There's a connection card in your program, and that's just a way for you to communicate with us. Communication is so important in every relationship there is, right? And so uh, communicate with us on in, uh, with that if you need to up, update your data uh, or you need to get, ask us to pray. You can put confidential on there. It's just a way to communicate with us. Now, if you could check in to whatever social media platform you have, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and uh, just let people know that you're here worshiping at Salem Fields, check in there. And that gets the word out about Salem Fields Community Church. It's a great place to be because you are here. And uh, people can go online, and they can worship there as well. We're going to take our tithes and offering at the next, at the next song. And uh, we're so thankful for those of you that have discovered the joy of giving, it's really all about generosity, <laughs> how you doing, I love that smile, man, <laughs> everyone say, hey, how you doing, <laughs> that's a way, to- <laughs> you can't sneak in, I had two people last night that I called out as they snuck in, <laughs> but I love that smile, <laughs> all right, where was I, Ties and offering, there's a variety of ways for you to give, we try to make it easy for you, I can tell you from a personal experience, even at this stage of life, God has always taken care of us. We've had more than enough, and that's the promise that he gives us, that he'll meet every need we have when we put him first in our finances. We've never wavered in that. God has never wavered in that with us, and we're excited to see how he's going to continue to do that the rest of our, the rest of our life, and he will. I've got that confidence in him. Well, Night to Shine is coming on Friday night. How many people are involved in Night to Shine? All right. Thank you so much for volunteering. And if you're not, you can show up and see what happens here. This is a prom like no other prom. And these are special guests that get honored and celebrated. And it's just a blessing for everybody all the way around. And we just want to say to you, if you still might have uh, God lay on your heart, if you want to give financially, Buddy and I decided to give a little bit more to Night to Shine. And uh, if you're a business and you want advertising, uh, but they sure could use those those additional finances if you could uh, if you would uh, feel as though you could do that. Well buddy and I, you know we are kind of winding down. you've asked us uh, what's the future look like for you? We don't know. All we know is that April is going to be a month of not having anything to do, except we are going to take a little train ride from Seattle to LA and spend some time in LA. Doesn't that sound fun? <laughs> it's on one of those trains where you can eat there, you can sleep there, you can have the uh, ride along the coast of the Pacific. I mean, it couldn't get much better than that, right? So then I've got a cousin in LA and we're going to hang out there for a few days and I think that's going to be pretty awesome. Doesn't that sound Awesome. You're living vicariously through me right now, aren't you? <laughs> but February is probably our last full month that we'll be here in this capacity, and uh, we just thought that Buddy and I would t- Buddy would take two weekends and I would take two weekends, and we're calling this series Parting Words, and uh, it's we just want to share with you some things that have just been really really important to us. You know, when Jesus went back to heaven, he gave some parting words to his disciples, didn't he? He said, I'm not going to leave you. I'm just going to go somewhere else to prepare a place for you. Now, Buddy and I are not going to do that for you <laughs> <laughs> because Jesus is doing that for you. <laughs> and He's doing it for me. But we do just sort of want to share with you some parting words that we have over the course of the last 25 years and how what God did with this, this place and what he did in our lives and the transformation that's taken place in the lives of those that have walked through those those years and you're part of that. So I think it'll be a really interesting, we don't know what those words are quite going to be yet, but they're kind of brewing in us and, you know, to kind of bring it down and shrink it down to a couple of weeks is pretty tough, but God is always faithful and that's what we're going to do. So I think it'll be a really wonderful time for all of us together. Invite your friends to that. We're going to continue to worship.
2: Tone, good morning. good morning. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. I'm rooting for the Chiefs because you beat the Packers, you do not get my fandom. So that's that. And my dad's a Chiefs fan, so I got to throw him a bone a little bit. So, uh, Well, good morning. So glad that you guys are here. Uh, I'm really excited about the message that um, I get to preach this morning. You know, sometimes in In Scripture, God will lead me to a passage or He'll lead me to a story, uh, and then He'll just make me sit there because that means there's something that He's really wanting me to understand. There's something that He really just wants to get in my brain, and so I've been uh, really in this story uh, for the last, really, month, and so now I just feel like I, I get the opportunity to kind of bring what I feel like God's been teaching me and kind of share it with you, but hopefully... Uh, God will use it to speak to you, to encourage you, uh, so that you'll leave here this morning just feeling empowered uh, and really just ready to pursue uh, the things that God's putting on your heart to pursue with a confidence and a trust in Him. And so I'm actually going to talk about the story of David and Goliath this morning. And uh, a lot of us are familiar with this story, but uh, there's uh, something within it that uh, I really hadn't paid too much attention to before until now, and so I really want us to kind of look at this story with maybe a fresh uh, set of eyes and just really just see what God wants to speak through it, and so um, I'm going to read a lot of scripture here within this story, but it's because I really want us to get the full uh, context, and so to kind of preface it to to get us up to the point that we're going to start from, uh, King Saul is named king of Israel, so uh, really the Israelites say, you know what, we want to be like every other uh, nation out there. We want to have a king, and God says, well, really, all you truly need is me, but if you really want this king, here you go. So he anoints uh, Saul king, And, and Saul was a good king, but he ends up making some choices that go against what God has asked him to do. And so because of that pride and because of that disobedience, God removes his anointing from King Saul and he places this anointing to be the next king on a little shepherd boy named David. And so David is really considered pretty insignificant at this point uh, in our story. I mean, to the point where uh, the prophet comes to anoint the next king of Israel and David's Dad did not even call him in from the field because he's like, surely it's not my son David. It's got to be one of his other brothers. But no, God wanted David. And so David will eventually become king, but he isn't yet. King Saul still reigns. And King Saul and the Israelite army are out fighting their uh, nemesis, the Philistines. The Philistines are not the best people At all. These are people that literally anything goes in their culture. They worship a bunch of fake gods and they just do a lot of bad things. And a part of the Philistine army is this big mammoth of a human named Goliath. And so Goliath is out taunting the Israelite army, saying, Who's going to come and fight me? Who's going to come and defeat me? Well, meanwhile, David's dad says, You know what? Your brothers are out fighting. Why don't you go take them some lunch? Again, This is how David is kind of viewed at this point. So David comes out to bring his brother some lunch, and he hears Goliath taunting the Israelite army. He's like, oh, whoa, 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 time out. Surely this guy is not mocking God and not mocking us. I'm going to go take care of this guy. And, well, word gets to King Saul that David wants to do this, and this is where we pick up in the story. So, again, it's a lot of scripture here, but let's pay attention to everything. Let's get the full context of this story. So when the words that David spoke were heard, they were repeated before Saul and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him, Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you are but a youth and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. Got to like David's confidence. For he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion And from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head, and he clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped his sword over his armor. And he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. But then David said to Saul, "I I can't go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose five smooth stones from the brook, and he put them in the shepherd's pouch. His sling was in hand, and he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with the shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and he saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. I'm like, was Goliath jealous that he was handsome? I mean, yeah. and the Philistine said to David. So when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag. He took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword. Can y'all say no sword? sword. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine, and he took the Philistine's sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him, cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout, with confidence now, and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron. So that the wounded Philistines fell on the way from Sharam as far as Gath and Ekron and the people of Israel came back from chasing the Philistines and they plundered their camp. Father, thank you so much for your word. I just pray that you will just use it to speak to us this morning. That you would teach us and that you would show us, God, what you would have us learn this morning so that we truly can grow in our faith in you, our understanding with you. And our relationship with you we love you and we praise you in jesus name amen now david's victory was massive the boy never should have been able to defeat the champion goliath in his strength but he laid waste to him he laid waste to what an entire army was afraid to face including king saul And I love what David says where he says, you come to me with a sword and spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. The Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. The confidence in who God was, not in his stature, not in the the weapons that he possessed. It was just truly his confidence was in God and God alone. That moment made David famous. Throughout all of Israel. But that moment also started to make King Saul a little jealous. See, God had anointed David to become king, but Saul was still reigning. And David had done nothing but show devotion to him. But the pride that led to Saul's anointing being removed was starting to fester up this jealousy. To the point where over time as David went out and continued to defeat more and more adversaries and his name became more and more famous amongst Israel, the more and more jealous Saul got until he made up in his heart, I'm going to go kill David. Well, luckily, Jonathan, Saul's son, was David's best friend. And he tips David off like, hey, my dad's coming to kill you. You need to go and you need to go now. So David flees to a place called Nob. And he visits a a priest named Ahimelech. And and David is getting ready to to leave to continue to get away from Israel and and flee Saul. And so he comes to this exchange with Ahimelech. And he doesn't know that David is running away from Saul. He just thinks David is on this mission. And so that comes to this exchange in 1 Samuel 21, verses 8 through 10. Then David said to Ahimelech, then have you not here a spear or a sword at hand? For I brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. David's under, operating under this uh, thing that, oh, I, I had a mission for the king. That's why I had to go quickly. But the priest said, well, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you struck down in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, take it, for there is none but that here. And David said, there is none like that. Give it to me. In this moment, David is reunited with Goliath's sword. The last time he touched this sword, he cut off the head of Goliath because of what God had done. And see, this should have been a moment where David was reminded of God's faithfulness and the confidence that he placed in God on that day. But instead he takes the sword, he sees it for what it is, a weapon, and he actually takes it and he goes to live amongst the Philistines. The very people that Goliath came from, the very people that mocked God, that mocked the God that he trusted then, he's actually going to go hide and live with them now because of fear. Somehow the faith that emboldened David against the Philistines has been choked out. And it has sent him to live in a place full of compromise and absent from the very land where God wanted him to be, where God was raising him up as king. See, Goliath's sword was a trophy. It was a reminder of the faithfulness of God in one moment of time. But now, to David, it represents this false idea of self-strength and protection. See, David even says about the sword, there is none like that. Give it to me as if somehow this sword holds special power But just as david mocked the sword when it was in goliath's hands Because of the immense power of his god He has now succumbed in fear thinking that this sword somehow holds the strength that the philistines thought the very people He was now going to live amongst It's amazing what happens when we get our eyes off of god and we get them on ourselves and on our circumstances See, this is the constant battle of every day of what we draw strength from, what we draw our wisdom and our hope from. And if it is any other source but God, then we are putting our trust in a simple sword, an empty trophy that cannot sustain us. And so, well, we read the Psalms and we're like, well, when David was fleeing from Saul and and when he was wrestling with this fear and this doubt, we still see him praising God. We still see him trusting God. But there have actually been studies that have been done. And there can be no psalm that is attributed to David during this time where he is with the Philistines. So that means when he ran and he ran in fear during this period of trusting in self-strength, of trusting in how he was going to protect himself, they, we don't have these psalms where he's praising. See, I believe there's so much that we can draw from this. But there are four things that I want us to hone in on. In this story, the first thing today needs my faith more than yesterday. Today needs my faith more than yesterday. Just because I chose faith yesterday does not mean that I don't have to choose faith today. To have faith is a daily choice, it's a daily surrender. The, the very faith that strengthened me yesterday can fall prey today to my fear and my pride, and my idolatry. So my son, Judah, he's five years old. He's just started playing soccer, and and he loves it. And well, I played soccer growing up, so I'm now a proud dad where I can relate. I can teach him, and I try to tell him, man, dad used to be a pretty good soccer player back in the day. And he goes, okay, show me. Show me how good you are, dad. And I'm like, well, Well, I was good, son. I was good about 15 years ago and about 20 pounds lighter ago. But that's the whole thing. So it's not that I was a good soccer player and that's what makes me a good soccer player today. And that's the reality. He wants to see, well, that was then. What about now? And the thing is, if I would have consistently kept up with it and I would have continued training for the past 15 years and continued practicing, then maybe I would still be as good as I was. But I can't depend on what I did 15 years ago to make me good at that today. And it's the same thing with our faith. I can't expect because I was faithful one moment years ago, and I truly trust in God, and I stepped out in faith, and it was radical, and it was amazing that now all of a sudden today, I'm still living and operating off of that same faith see just because david chose to have faith against goliath in this amazing moment where everyone witnessed the power of god that doesn't mean that now when king saul's chasing him and trying to kill him that he's going to stand firm in that same faith because he did then see if we aren't careful we can get very lazy in our faith because we feel like we put forth the effort at one time and that would just be enough to sustain us this is how we end up wandering This is how we end up falling back into bad habits, into into wrong thinking and sin. This is how we crumble when adversity hits because we haven't been filling up our tanks and cultivating a daily closeness with God. See, I I can't expect to not be filling up my tank with, with prayer and with worship and trusting God and choosing faith daily to then find myself in a storm. And all of a sudden I'm grasping, oh, I haven't been choosing to trust God. I haven't been having the faith, but I need it right now. We're going to end up finding ourselves running on fumes. See, it's a lot easier to cultivate faith when I'm not in a storm, when I'm not going through a difficult season, than it is when I'm in it and I'm trying to grasp for it. See, every day I need to wake up and treat today like a brand new day, with a brand new need for me to choose God and pursue a faith in Him. A relationship with Him that is deeper than the day before. See, don't approach today saying, you know, I went to church, I, I read my devotional, I read my Bible, I said my prayers. That's going to sustain me through the week. No, each and every single morning we need to, to wake up in the same way that you would wake up to go to the gym because you want to be disciplined every single day. Or in the same way we, we need to, to wake up and, and just not run on fumes but to do the things that I need to do to make sure my family is taken care of. We need to do the same thing with cultivating a faith with God each and every single day. See, I'm the kind of person that I will drive my car until that gas tank is completely on empty. I'm not even talking about it being on the line. I'm talking about it being beneath the line. Isn't that right, Dad? Dad loves me for it. And, and, and that's, the, that's the thing. There will be times where I will literally be praying, God, get me to the gas station. This is going to be the day where I'm going to have to push this car up the hill. But the thing is, the thing has 215,000 miles on it, and I'm not about to sink a dollar into it before I really have to. And so, literally, I'm pulling into the gas station and I'm on fumes and it's going, D-d-d-d-d-d-d. I haven't failed yet. Well, God hasn't failed me yet, so knock on metal. So, but the thing is, our faith, we kind of treat it the same way. How many times do we feel like we're eventually running on fumes until we actually need to get somewhere? And we're seeing ourselves sputtering. We're seeing ourselves questioning. We're seeing ourselves full of doubt. And and we start to say, I was so faithful here. Why am I not doing that now? It's because we've allowed too much time. We haven't put forth the effort. I love what Colossians says, chapter 2, verses 6 through 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him Rooted and built up in him. Get, listen to this. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Your faith is supposed to be strengthened, not weakened. Each and every day, you're supposed to be rooted in Christ and built up in him, having that faith strengthened and renewed. We gotta choose each and every single day because today needs my faith more than yesterday. Second point, fill your box with God's faithfulness. Fill your box with God's faithfulness. There's a story in Joshua, and the Israelites have just crossed over the Jordan River on dry ground. Literally, they've seen God part the waters a second time, and they walk on dry ground. They get to the other side, and Joshua has each of the 12 tribes of Israel pick up a stone and build an altar. It says, In those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the lord your god did to the red sea which he dried up for us until we passed over so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the lord is mighty that you may fear the lord your god forever so in other words he says look we need to set up this monument this statue so that the generations that come they can return to it and they can be reminded of the faithfulness Of God and what he is able to do then and the same God that did that for them then is gonna do it for me now and I can be reminded of that every single time I look at that let's bring this into a real modern day example we collect boxes and we will put different awards we'll put different trophies different things that we've done and it's not that the trophy itself is special it's what it represents this is a reminder of uh, an achievement from the work you put in or the effort you put in. Somebody's going to lift a Super Bowl trophy tonight, and it's not the trophy that they won. It's what the trophy represents, which is a championship. And so the same thing, we collect these things, and we pull them out with reminders of a different time and a different period. And the whole thing that we need to make sure that we are doing is that we are collecting boxes of God's faithfulness. Trophies of what God has done in our lives so that we can pull out our box and we can pull up that faithfulness of God and be reminded, man, God did this in my life. Look at, oh, man, I'm in this struggle, but I remember, oh, man, I remember what God did then. So now I'm able to stand and have the confidence and be reminded of who he is. See, the thing is, a lot of us collect boxes of things. We, We accumulate wealth. We accumulate status and jobs and stuff and knowledge. And, but when the push comes to shove, those things will eventually fail us. We can't build our lives and build our hope and build our trust on those things. What we need to collect is the faithfulness of God so that we can have it readily available on our heart and on our lips. So that when the time comes, we have the confidence to meet whatever our today holds for us. See, the Israelites, they built those altars all throughout time to be reminded of God's faithfulness. And see, and this can be something just as practical for us as as journaling. Really, take out your cell phone, just have a note, entitle the note on your cell phone, God's faithfulness. And each time God does something, just type it in there. You have your phone wherever you go. And that way, whenever you face something, you can just pull that out, pull that note. Oh, yeah, I remember what God did. You know, I don't need to fear right now. I don't need to worry right now. Look at, look at what he did, and that's the same God. He can do it again. See, maybe it's just you need to memorize some scripture. You know, there's going to be different scriptures that God gives us in different seasons that help gets us through. And so maybe I just need to have this collection of scripture memorized so that when a time comes and I pull that up, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember what God did in that season with that piece of scripture. And he, he's still the same God. It, it can be something as, as simple as having something in your home. Like having a sign on a wall to remember a time period that God brought you through, or or a worship song that you can just play each and every single time of like, man, I remember the season where that song just spoke to me. And so every time I hear it, I'm reminded of what God did then. It could be an object, it could be a quilt or or just something that sits on a table where you can just point to that. And your kids can even point to that and say, Oh yeah, I know the story behind that. In the same way the generations of Israel could point to that altar and say, Oh, I remember the story of what God did there, parting the waters and then walking on dry ground. Our kids can then also see the same thing. I remember the story of where, you know, God did that for mom and dad. Or, you know what, uh, the neighbors come over. Oh, I remember where God brought them through that season. We need to have these reminders, these trophies of what God has done, of his faithfulness. See, the reason that, that David had the confidence to defeat Goliath in the first place Do you guys remember back with what he said? He said, uh, I went after those bears and those lions, and your servants struck down both lions and bears, and and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. And the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. David had the confidence because he had built up these moments of God's faithfulness of when he defeated the lion and he defeated the bear, and the same God that helped me there is surely going to help me now. And the thing is, the sword of Goliath, when David possessed that in his hands and he's running in fear of Saul, should have been a reminder of God's faithfulness. But it wasn't. Why? Because David had also been collecting some boxes of other stuff. Fear. Anxiety. Doubt. Worry. And see, he ended up giving power To those things he ended up letting the fear be a louder voice than the faithfulness of God See when we start to compile the lies that our emotions whisper to us and and we start looking at those instead of at the faithfulness of God We start doing some stupid stuff We start getting our eyes off of God and we start thinking stronger of ourselves And we start trusting in our strength and our abilities and what makes sense to our logic That somehow, maybe even the season that we made it through was because of something I did. And you see, fear is a liar like that. And it was lying to David, and it caused him to make some bad decisions and start believing in the strength was in the trophy rather than the one that it represented. Rather than God. And I wonder how many of us are putting our strength in things apart from God. Third point, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. You live by the sword, you die by the sword. Matthew 26, we find Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples, and he's getting arrested. And listen to what happens and what Jesus says. At this, one of Jesus' companions drew his sword, and he struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Are you not aware that I can call on my Father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? See, Jesus was demonstrating that this moment was not about the strength of his disciples. It wasn't about their logic. It wasn't about their might. This was all about the will of God. Jesus was walking by the Spirit and wanted to convey that to his disciples too. And just like David told the Philistines on the day he killed Goliath, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. Jesus says, are you not aware that I can call on my father? And he will at once put my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? It wasn't about the swords. It wasn't about self-strength. It was always about the will of God and the power of God. And Jesus, in this moment, was conquering something far greater than some soldiers. He was conquering the Goliath of sin and death and teaching us in the process that reliance on anything other than God and his will will prove to be our downfall. He's saying you live by the sword, you die by the sword. You live by God and you trust in him and you trust in his will and his ways is something far greater. Something far greater than you can see or understand. Wherever I place my confidence is what I am depending on to see me through adversity. And I have news for each and every single one of us. If we are placing it in something other than God, we are on unstable ground. If my confidence is in my wealth, when the money's gone, then I'm going to be a wreck. If my confidence is in my health, when my health deteriorates, then I'll break. See, David put his confidence in the sword and in his wits and military prowess when he's fleeing Saul to the point that it took him away from God's plan. And ultimately delayed him becoming king by years. David forgot that the strength was not in the sword. How easily we forget how imperfect and flawed and a mess we are without God's power. And without his strength. And we just stumble our way through life hoping to make good decisions. And to achieve some form of worldly success. But God desires more for us. He desires better for us. He doesn't just want us to make it through life. He wants us to experience life to the fullest. And yes, that means even when it's hard, even when we face the most difficult fights, when we face giants, God wants us to still be able to experience what he is able to do in those situations. Stop running to other things besides God to figure out life and to get you through a season. Your sword will not help you. You might cut off a few, e- few ears in the process, but it will not Give you the fullness of God's plan and the power of His Spirit. And the last point legends never die. Legends never die. See, when David had defeated Goliath and him and King Saul and, and the Israelite army, they returned, they're greeted. With this, and the woman sang to one another as they celebrated Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. See, that was the song that Saul and David returned to. And so, no wonder Saul was getting a little bit insecure. He's like, Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, I'm still king of this place, and yet you're here already raising David up above me in your songs. See, the truth is, though, David had become famous throughout all of Israel that day, and he had even become famous amongst the Philistines. He defeated their champion. And it's funny because actually the very first thing that someone says when David flees to the Philistines, when he's running away from Saul, someone says, isn't this the one that they sing the songs about? See, it wasn't David that made himself a legend, though. God had David could not do anything that he did without the favor of God in his life. And in that moment when Goliath was defeated, David knew that too. But if we aren't careful, it's extremely easy to get our eyes off of God and to get them onto ourselves. Listen, we can accomplish a lot in this life just by willpower and by effort and by self-strength. But I would rather do one thing that God wanted me to do that glorified him. Than a thousand things that made me look good in the eyes of men and that got applause. There's a line in the movie, The Sandlot, that says, heroes get remembered, but legends never die. See, I don't want to be remembered for some earthly achievement that I did in my own strength. I want to leave behind something that never dies, something eternal, a legacy of faith. Lives that were brought to the feet of the greatest legend who ever lived the one who never died, the one who conquered sin and conquered death, who is the light of the world, who is our everlasting hope, our firm foundation, Jesus, our Savior. This should be our focus. See, I love what John writes to us. He says in 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and we touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it. And we testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father. It was made manifest to us, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ What John's saying is, look, we have seen the faithfulness of God. We've seen what he does. We've seen Jesus. We know him, and we want to proclaim him. We want to share that story with you so that you too can experience him. In the same way that David was saying, you know what, Goliath, I'm going to defeat you because today everyone's going to know who God is, that there is a God in Israel, and he is all-powerful, and he can do anything. That's what is supposed to happen And that's what we are supposed to do with our lives, to make Jesus famous, to make his legend famous through the way that we live and we serve and we love. We lost a basketball hero last weekend who was famous for a lot of things that he did on a basketball court. But what I've heard people talk the most this week about Kobe Bryant was the kind of father he was. See, That's what, to me, makes the stuff of a legend. Not the championships he won, not the statistics he put up, not the scoring titles that he had, the MVPs. It was the fact that he was a good father and invested in his children so that generations to come could be impacted. That is the stuff of legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. And that is something that will have an impact that goes beyond anything else. See, true legends are made by the accomplishments. They aren't the titles we have, the materials we own, or the things we put on our resumes. It's nothing that we can hold with our hands or place in a trophy case. It's about the eternal impact that we make on the lives of people around us and how we demonstrate Jesus to them. How we defeated our Goliaths. How we trusted not in our abilities or the things of this world, but in the power and the faithfulness of the almighty creator. That is the stuff of legends. Our accomplishments on this earth are nothing compared to the opportunity that we have each and every single day to lift up the legend that never dies. When we carry around the box of stories of his faithfulness, we're able to pull out a trophy not for ourselves, but to show someone else, oh, you're facing this? Let me show you some of the things that God has done in my life. Let me show you the faithfulness of who he is. We don't need a sword to slay our giants. We just need Jesus. And that's what our world needs to see. If my box is just full of things that I do and, and full of things that I own and I possess, that is going to get very heavy. Very heavy. If that's the box that I'm dependent on because that needs to be something that I self-sustain, that means I'm going to need to keep adding to it and I'm going to need to keep doing things in my own way and in my own strength and my own power. But, man, just trusting in the faithfulness of God, that is a burden that is light. That is trusting not in what I can do, but what he can do. Let's be the version of David whose faith stood tall against Goliath. And if we falter, if we start to think that the powers in ourselves are in our sword, lay it down and ask God to increase your faith in him. David eventually came around, but it delayed, I believe, a lot of what God was wanting to do. And in the time frame, God was wanting to do it. And so I wonder today, how many of us are delaying the things that God wants to do in our life because we're trying to do and achieve and overcome in our own strength and in our own power? Where God is saying, stop, put down your sword, trust in me, turn to me, trust in what I can do. Let us stand firm in him and let's raise up trophies of his faithfulness and declare so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. Stand to our feet. could see why David would think this thing would protect him it's pretty sturdy it's heavy I've only cut myself twice but the thing is this is something that's earthy this is something that I can touch and I can control I can do something with this I can I can defeat my enemies with this but can I Because at the end of the day, I'm still me holding a sword. And he's still God who holds the universe in the palm of his hands. And I just wonder how many of us think that we need the sword. I mean, if David just would have just stopped and said, look, I'm running from the guy that was running from Goliath. Did he get that? He defeated Goliath the one that the guy he's running from was afraid of. But fear is a liar, and it can do some crazy things and tell us some crazy stuff that gets our eyes on ourselves and what I can do in order to overcome. And I believe that God has showed you guys some things this morning. Uh, I wonder what swords you need to lay down. I wonder what things you've been trying to do and trying to accomplish and trying to defeat in your own strength that God is saying, put it down. Put it down. Trust me. You have me. I'm all you need. I'm your source. I'm your strength. And if I am for you, what can be against you? You don't need to run anymore. And so maybe you also just need it during this worship song, just pull out your phone and start writing down the things that God's done in your life. Start writing down the times where you've seen his faithfulness. So that when you leave those doors and you go out and you face the things that life has for you, you can pull that up and say, nope, God did that. Nope, that's who God is. I I understand what I see, but I'm trusting in something greater. Take these moments. Start doing that. Start thinking over the things that God has done in your life. Start thinking of the things that you need to lay down and lay them down. Let's worship together respond. Let's let God do what he needs to do. Let's not rush out of these moments. Just let God speak. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> To defeat him. And I think that's a lot of us. I think we start off with this faith that then gets choked out by all the stuff that we face in life the things we see, things we experience, this fear, this doubt, this worry. And then we go from having this audacious faith that's ready to go and conquer any giant to one that's running in fear with a sword. See, Jesus calls us to a child like faith. See, he wants us to believe him for big things. He wants us to believe him for impossible things. And I think that's the thing. This world does not need to see Christians that proclaim faith but respond in the same circumstances, in the same situations, the exact same way they do. See, we need to return to this audacious faith knowing that we serve a big God. We serve a God of the impossible. And we need to go and we need to see everything in life and face everything in life, not with fear, not with doubt, not with self-strength, but with a faith and a boldness of saying God has got this. He has everything under control. And all I need to do is trust in him. We have to be that kind of people and we are at a point in this world and in this culture where we have to make the decision to step out in faith and not shrink back because right now everyone is just grabbing their swords and running in all different directions let's be still let's stand firm let's stand strong not in our own strength but in the God that defeated Goliath and the God that conquered the grave that conquered sin and conquered death so that we could have life and we could have eternally with him. Let's be people that believe what we say we believe and have faith in who we say we have faith in to do the impossible. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you, God, that no matter what giants we face in this life that we have you. Father, I pray against fear. I pray against doubt. I pray against insecurity. I pray against uh, a small faith. God, let us be people that grow in stature because we are remembering your faithfulness. Because we are choosing to trust in you and what you say and who you are and who you've demonstrated that you are. A God of miracles, a God of the impossible. And Father, I just want to give the opportunity to this morning. If someone hasn't even made the decision to have faith in you as their Lord and Savior, I want to open that opportunity up right now. So if that is you, all you have to do is pray this prayer, but believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and just repeat this. Father, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus, forgive me for the things that I've done wrong for not following you. I believe that you died on a cross and that your shed blood covers all of my sins. And I believe that you rose from the dead three days later conquering sin conquering death so that I am no longer bound to the grave but to eternal life with you. I will follow you, Jesus, all of my days. Help me, lead me, and guide me. You are my Savior. If that is you with all eyes closed, then no one looking around, just as a proclamation of, of faith. Just on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lives have made decisions, and there's no greater decision. There's a party in heaven, and there is a party in this room. Can we celebrate them? Can we celebrate them right now, the coming to faith? Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for your goodness. God, let us have the faith that you can do anything. We trust in you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: You take me.